podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hi and welcome to another episode of the Nina Kaza Show. You know what? She's really relaxed. She could have done a sheet mask today. Another routine win for the Reds. Top of the league as it stands right now. Six out of six. Needless to say, we're absolutely buzzing, bouncing. This is just so impressive. And it's not just about me. I have some amazing panelists for you and some incredible callers so you know what i'm going to shut up and introduce who is going to be holding me up on this pod because as you know i do have the best guests on the show so first up an oldie but a goodie because he does come through with great thoughts and analysis it's mr andy wales host of the champions league pod co-host of the res review podcast and he also does a pod about wrestling as well because he's a little know-it-all welcome to the show andy Thanks. When you said an oldie, I thought you were introducing someone else. <laughs> you, my friend, you know, you've got that Keanu gene. We don't age. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, I don't have the Keanu hair gene, though. You know what? Hair's overrated. Yes, just ask Pep. Yeah, just ask Pep. There you go. And joining Andy, um, I'm quite delighted and excited about introducing this guest because last season he was one of my... My consistent callers brought some great discussion to the Nina Kaza show and then he went off and started um, doing other podcasts on Anfield Index and I thought he forgot about little old me but guess what he's back making his debut as a panellist. It's Tadeva Tanikara. Welcome to the show Tadeva. Hey Nina, the prodigal son returns. I know. I am excited to have you on but before we go any further I must ask you a very very important question. Yes. How is the girlfriend being a Spurs fan? Oh, I've got to go there. <laughs> she she's been in Dubai for the last week for work, I so I think it, it's been good to have a bit of a break for her. She 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 didn't even watch the Champions League game because she knew what was coming. So I think that's a worry for Spurs fans because she's usually <laughs> the optimist. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you've you've kind of brought her um her sort of conversations on onto my pod, and you know she speaks a good game. She's very positive. So yeah, absolutely. But um, it's good that she's in Dubai, get some sun, a bit of escapism. Right, guys, I've got some callers. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna go straight to our first caller, and I have a massive smile on my face because it is a familiar voice, a much loved caller from not only by myself but my panelists and also my listeners. It is. Kwesi Davis, welcome to the show, Mr. Positive. Thank you, Nina. Um, I'm, I'm saying hi to Saliva and Andy. Well, you, Andy, you don't have to go as far as Pep Guardiola to know that here is overrated. I can tell you that. This is true. This is <laughs> very true. <laughs> <laughs> Both are representing. My question today is about our ability to overcome the low block and whether or not the introduction of Zerdan Shakiri is going to be our little Swiss army knife or skeleton key to beat teams with the low block from here on in. 
I love the word play there, Kwesi. I'm going to come to Andy first on this one. Andy, I want to get your thoughts on on um, Tadeva's question as well. I think um, I think it's quite key that that was one of the reasons why Jurgen Klopp maybe went in for a Shakiri type of player as well. Not only because of the price. Um, I think you know we know that he's great from set pieces, and I feel like maybe against a low block team. We, we maybe missed the likes of maybe a Coutinho for that moment of magic because he could unlock that. And I think maybe in a player like Shakiri, we've certainly got that. I want to get your thoughts on on just having that kind of player and his performance today because I thought he was um, he was hot fire today. Well, spoiler alert, I thought he was the most influential player in our <laughs> team, even yeah. though he was only there for 45 minutes. Yeah, he did the dabbies. Uh, he, certainly, yeah, he most certainly did. Involved in all the goals. You know, really, really good uh, full debut for him. Um, in terms of beating the the low the low block, uh, certainly he will he will most certainly help. You know, there's there's no doubt about that. Obviously, with his the direct nature of his play, being able to carry the ball to drive up players, again commit them. With him, Mane, Salah, the the, the you know, and Naby as well. These are all players who are prepared to carry the ball, to dribble, to go past people, to commit them. And, and break up that organisation that uh, the low block teams will have. I've got to say, I, I don't think really today w- was a true test of of us how you know how we'll perform against you know true low block teams, because for me Southampton weren't you know your archetypal low block <laughs> frustrators at opposition. Um, I felt Southampton were very much. Typical Mark Hughes. It, it, they they could easily have been the Mark Hughes stoke of the last two or three years. You know, it, just magnolia, magnolia paint. I don't know, vanilla ice cream, ready salt. I like vanilla ice cream. <laughs> yeah, but it's and a I bit like bland, magnolia paint. <laughs> I I call that team tracing paper. <laughs> yeah, they, they just they just didn't have an awful lot about them. They weren't. Uh, they're slow, slow build up. They like to have the ball, but not too much. They were, they weren't, you know, like taking on like a Pulis Stoke or or taking on the, the some of the West Brom teams here in the past few years that we come against, or or the likes of you know the Villa team that always causes trouble. That would sit deep, would be compact and organised, and then would hit us direct on the counter attack. I think they were more the teams that really caused us an issue, mm. and. I think over last season we, we improved against them type of teams. We, we're sure. I think we're showing that as we're evolving under Klopp, as this cha- as this team is gradually changing and moving on and transitioning into this full-on kind of Klopp team that you saw in the heyday of Borussia Dortmund. I think we are getting better against those sides, but I'm not sure today was the truest test of that. It was. Mm. It, it for for me it was just a case of we they weren't you know they weren't sort of difficult to break down they weren't sat that deep they were only deep because we were forcing them into, into them positions uh, and we just we just went at them and they never really sort of took part in the game until the second half so it's it was it, obviously there's there's so many positives to take from today aside from you know winning scoring, clean sheet, you know, top of the league and all them things, and, and a few performances in there, Matip included. But I, I think it's hard to hard for us to, to really draw an awful lot of conclusions from this game because, quite frankly, they were 
easy to play against. No, um, I hear you, Andy, but, you know, the only takeaways I got from that is um, you've got terrible taste when it comes to interior decorating and desserts and savoury snacks. No, on, on, a, on a serious note, I think you make some solid points. And you're right, um, I feel like we have gotten better. And Tadeva, I'm going to come to you because I think, Andy, there is some merit in what Andy says because against the low block teams, I think we've done really well. The only time, because I always felt like, oh, we're really going to struggle with that Coutinho when we play low block sides. And the only time that I truly, 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 truly missed Coutinho was, of course, in the Champions League final. We'll ignore that. But in the league... I think where we really missed him was the game against Manchester United. I felt like, you know, because they, they are kind of, um, back then were quite notorious for parking the bus and I felt like we just didn't have any answers. And, um, I want to get your thoughts on us against the low block team and, you know, just Shakiri's overall performance. I'd love to hear what you had to, what, what your analysis was of, of uh, his performance today. Um, I think. The important thing for me that I saw from Shakiri is it reminded me of um, Oxlade-Chamberlain mm. being the ball carrier in midfield, willing to run at the defence and not only just being a midfielder, he was basically an attacker today. He seemed like he was part of that front four, which is something, you know, maybe with the other front three, um, with the other midfield three, they're looking to pass the ball off to the front three, whereas Shakiri seems like he's part of it. Mm. Where he, he could either score, he could assist, he could, you know, he's a threat, which is great to see against a team like Southampton, who I, I felt sorry for Southampton a little bit today. Um, if we move on to how we controlled the game, maybe I think they did suffer from the fact that, um, Danny Ings wasn't able to play today. Cause if you look at the other games, he's been their outlet. Mm-hmm. And if you, if you looked at Shane Long today, he really looked very lonely up there. He didn't have anyone to help him. Anything that came towards him, Van Dijk or Gomez, even Henderson at some stages, were cleaning it up very, very easily. So it, it, it seemed like a game where we they didn't seem as threatening as maybe they would have liked. Uh, obviously, with an, with an Ings in there, they probably would have been more threatening. But I'm just pleased that, you know, every season, and there's always been this myth of, Oh, Klopp's under pressure this season. He has to deliver a trophy. But I think for Liverpool fans, we appreciate the fact that every season the team is improving. This was one of the games mm. where we can clearly say the team has improved. I, I, I mentioned, I, I think in the group chat, it's a big, it's, it's a game after a big European night. We mm. haven't seen a Liverpool team after a big European night give such a dominant performance. Yes, maybe a few things were, were off now and then, but I think it's very, it's very good sign that we're able to come after a big European night where, you know, the crowd is up for it. The players are up for it. Then now you've got Southampton at home. You wouldn't, you know, begrudge that some of the players were not being as up for it as playing against a Neymar or Mbappe, but it seemed they've bought into the system, system. They've carried on playing the way Klopp wants them to play. They know the goals will come. They seem very calm and composed. And I think it's a good sign for the future. Absolutely. And I think you're spot on. And I think you're right. I think it's um, harder to get motivated against, you know, without sounding disrespectful, a lesser opposition. I, I think you're right. And that's coming from someone who's never played played the sport at a professional or a semi-professional level. But I can only imagine once you play Paris, Saint-Germain, you're playing those kind that calibre of players and the dropping quality. It must be hard to kind of be alert and, you know, be motivated to that. Uh, to, um, 
Kwesi, I'm going to bring you back in. Uh, you know, you've heard what the lads have said about Shakiri. I'm going to let you have the final say on Shakiri because I think it's fair to say that he pretty much did all the damage in the first half and it was it was quite an easy decision for Klopp to kind of... I felt like there was a gulf in between the first half and second half. I felt like he did everything. So I want, I want you to have the final word on Shakiri. Yeah, he was excellent. Really, really nice. Um, I do know that he's probably still adjusting to the defensive sets and all the tactical bits that you need to play in that midfield. <clears throat> but in terms of his attacking moves, I, I, I was happy to see him today. And, and, and in terms of rotation in general, I think watching Matip's performance you could really see why we need to get players on, get them some minutes and get them fresh. Mm-hmm. Because while Matip was good, occasionally, there was just a, you know, a bit of a far power on the ball, stuff that wouldn't happen to him had he had six games under his belt. Um, Robertson played really well, so I was happy with that as well. Um, yeah, and that's basically it. Uh, I'm I'm happy, but then everybody is happy. This is one day where I don't have to cheer up anybody, and it was really <laughs> <fairly> routine. <laughs> bless you, Kwesi. Bless you. Yes, um, no one is cheering up. I think it was just like quite a relaxing kind of um performance by the um by the Reds. But thank you so much, Kwesi. We do love hearing from you, and we love you calling in. So appreciate that. Then I do have one question for you guys. You know, I'm always going on about. The fact that I, I want a competitive team that plays exciting football mm-hmm. and if we win trophies, great. I have a hypothetical question for you. Suppose we had sacked Rogers and got in, let's say, somebody like Ancelotti, who doesn't play a very, very high-pressing, intense football, although he's a great coach. Let's say we won the Champions League one season under Ancelotti, but we came seventh and eighth the other seasons, didn't get to those finals that we got to our last, and our football was just not inspiring overall. More like Mourinho than, say, Clark. Which one would you have preferred? But we got one Champions League, we got number six. That's a good question, and you know, Andy, I'm gonna I'm gonna come to you first on this one because I've got an answer for this, but I want to hear my panel first. Oh God! <laughs> do you, do you want me? Do you want me to go first? That's like asking me to choose between my children. Do you want me to go first? Go on then. Okay, you know what? It's about sticking or twisting, isn't it? And for me, I would stick with Klopp because. What you've given me there, to, um, Kwesi, is um, a final, you know, like um, a destination. Basically, we win one Champions League. On the club, I'm not so sure how many we can win. Also, um, I I also, I, and I love Carlo Ancelotti. I watched, you know, naturally, we all watch a lot of Italian football. We knew what he did with that Milan side. He, he's a great coach. And, of course, he, he brought the 10th back to um, Real Madrid, um, which was, um, you know, a task in itself. Um, yes, he can do all that. And I, I just feel that I don't think that he would have gotten the club like Klopp. I feel like managing Liverpool is more than, I think this guy gets it. And I think maybe Ancelotti wouldn't, if, if that exactly. makes sense. 
and and yeah. I I also feel like there would be a lot of unrest. I think the fact that we we lost that Champions League final, and the fact that you know we're, we're back here again, you know, trying to win things. Um, I I feel like the 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 supporters' morale never went down. I think they fully buy him. They completely get him, and I think the players do as well. I think he's just. I just think he suits us. So um, I'm going to pass on that one Champions League for many, many trophies for Jurgen Klopp because his time isn't over just yet. It's a gamble. Andy, I'll come to you. <laughs> yeah, I'll go with what you said. <laughs> as much as you have to go with a trophy, I, I think, yeah, for for what Jurgen Klopp is doing, it's more than just one season. It's mm. You feel like you're building a sustainable future. And, mm. and it's, uh, like I said at the very beginning, it's a roller coaster ride. There will be some downs, but there'll be a hell of a lot of ups, and it'll be fun along the way. Two in two, I like that. And of course, I, I know you're a massive Jurgen Klopp fan as well. That's what kind of brought our sort of friendship on Twitter as well before Anfield Index. And Tadiva, you have the last word on this one. Yeah, I think with the Mourinho and an Ancelotti, you know that maybe the football is not going to be as exciting as Klopp. So all of your chips are basically you know, um, in the pot for you have to win the trophy. I mean, look at Man United's season last season. It's such a disappointing season if you don't end up with anything because you've just sat through, you know, 365 days of the most boring football you're ever going to see. At least with Klopp, you know, you can see the team is improving. You can see which individual players he's improving. You're willing to give him more time. I'm sure if if Mourinho hadn't won the Europa League, I think it was, um, in the first season in the Carling Cup or Carabao Cup, then questions would have been asked about him because it just feels so flat after a season where you've watched such drab football and you have nothing to show for it. Look, I would prefer a Klopp type of season any time of, uh, over a Mourinho type season, even without the trophy, because the trophy effectively is going to be enjoyed for one of those 365 days. Whereas Klopp, we got to enjoy him for a whole season. That Champions League journey, I, you cannot take that away from me. The the crowd, the Ale 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 song, like th- those are things that you could never take away from a Liverpool fan. Yes, you could say we didn't win the trophy, but you know that Liverpool are better for it, having gone through that emotional roller coaster. And personally, on a personal level, I prefer the journey than maybe. You know, some other people, they might say the destinations, the be all and end all, but I prefer the journey. I, I prefer the, you know, um, welcoming city to, to an Anfield night and absolutely destroying them where, you know, they, they can't even say anything about it. Um, but yeah, that's just a personal appearance, um, preference. Full house here. So, um, Kwesi, I'll let you have the final say before we let you go. What would you do? What a ride it's been. From the first moment, and you know, the win, the four-one at Manchester City, the, the two finals in his first season, just coming along. Every day, you get a sense that we're building. Um, I would not, and this is without possibly winning in the future. I would not have given up these three years or so for anything. Mm. I, it, it, it's really, really been one of the pillars of my life, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And we've not won anything yet. So, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely with you. That was my point. That's where my positivity comes from. From Jürgen Klopp and the Red Men. Well, uh, Kwesi, thank you so much for calling. Yeah, man. Deep <laughs> Love <respect>. you. 
Have a lovely day. You too, my friend. So that was Kwesi, our first caller, kicking things off nicely on the call-in segment. We're going to move on swiftly to our second caller, and I believe might be a first-time caller on the Nina Kauza show. It's Henry from South Africa. Welcome to the show, Henry. Thank you very much. Nice to be here. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Well, we absolutely love it. Thank you so much for getting involved. I'm sure you're absolutely delighted, but I'm sure you've got an awesome question for my panel to keep them on their toes. So fire away, Henry. Okay, cool. My question is this. So we see, we, we saw how we did with, uh, with PSG. The passing was crisp. People mm. were motivated. I think now Klopp is entering a next phase of, of, of Liverpool's uh, progression. How to motivate players from a big night like PSG to claim to keep the same motivation levels against um, smaller teams, as it were. Because if you remember, if you saw Alex's team back in the day, those were ruthless teams. They didn't mess around whether they were Minos or what. Mm. We're still winning, but I'm a little bit worried with the passing. That we, like today, the passing was off from every player, mm. from Andy Robertson to... I think Firmino only played one good pass, the one in the first half to Salah. But mm-hmm. the passing was a little bit off. So how do you think Klopp can get into the player's mind and unlock the next level of them keeping the same motivation levels when they're playing the big teams and playing the smaller teams? That is my question. Not bad for your first question. Not bad for a debut. Um, Tadeva, I'm going to come to you first on this one because I was having a conversation with Gags as the game was going on, and um, you know, and I think um, Henry raised the the the, the player that I was talking about, and I thought um, Firmino's passing was really off today. I mean, barring that long pass that if Salad scored that goal, I think it would have been like one of the most majestic goals you've ever seen. Um, but um, I thought his passing was really off. I mean. Henry's made the comparison there to, you know, to a Fergie side and how they were ruthless and cutthroat against smaller teams. To me, when I watched that game against Southampton, I want to get, I want to know your thoughts because I know you like to break things down tactically, but to me, it looked like a lot of tired legs. I, I think we also have to take into consideration, you know, we're comparing Jurgen Klopp, who has been at Liverpool for what, about three years, to a Sir Alex Ferguson, who had been at that United squad for, the best part of 15, 20 years. And I think it's a bit unfair to compare the two. I think you can see the progression. That's the important thing. As long as we can see that the team is getting better at this type of thing, if you look at maybe last season, even more so the season before, we couldn't even control a game like this. Being 1-0 up, 2-0 up, we knew the other team was going to get back into it. Any team coming to Anfield, the tactic was pretty simple have a fast guy up front who's willing to run into the channels. As soon as he runs into the channels, he draws a foul or whatever, gets a free kick, wins a free kick for his team. If you're 1-0, 2-0 down against Liverpool, it doesn't matter. Don't worry. Don't panic. Still stay parking the bus because you know that at the end of the day, Liverpool's going to give you an opportunity to score a goal. Whereas as the seasons have gone on under Klopp, I think we're starting to see a, a development in a style of play where it's not just necessarily the, the system, but also the personnel, the type of players that Klopp has brought in and the improvements he's made for, for the players that are part of the squad already, where they're more comfortable being in this position. Remember, when he came in, Liverpool weren't a team that is used to being top of the lot. If, if we're being honest, the, the, the squad that Klopp inherited, that's not a squad 
that was used to being top of the log, being mm. leading games and seeing games out. That's a whole new game that these players have had to learn. And yes, uh, um, as has been mentioned, there's still times where the players are still very sloppy on the ball, in control of the ball. You know, maybe in the final third aren't as great, but at least they're improving. They're getting used to it. Soon enough, they're going to be a team that's very comfortable and used to always leading games because of the, you know, the amazing front three that we have and the, um, you know, um, uh, amazing hardworking midfield and the solid defense that we've, we've developed. This is something they need to get used to of being in front in games, seeing out games, having that control, having that stability. And you look at the likes of, um, Virgil van Dijk. There were a few times in this game where some of the last ditch blocks that he made individually, the player that was playing in Virgil van Dijk's position wouldn't have made those blocks. Maybe it's now 1-1 or 2-1 and the whole dynamic of the game changes. You know, We have to take those things into consideration. So it's helping build a culture in the club. Once we get that culture in the club, I think it will, it will be a bit more pleasing on the eye. And then finally, I think we also have to take into consideration it's the Premier League. Every single team in the Premier League has players that are capable of you know producing something something of quality whether it's um a once-off thing a, a moment of magic or you know it's a tactical masterclass from the manager you know people would argue maybe mark hughes isn't going to produce the masterclass from a manager's perspective but it's very possible that a redmond could you know run at your defense cut inside and hit the you know bang a ball top corner but you can see this team is growing in confidence they're believing in the system and I, I don't think it's too big a worry. I, I, I don't know um, what the caller says. And shout out to South African callers. May may that long continue, having grown up in South Africa. Nice. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I'm going to come to Andy now, then I'll come back to you, Henry, so you can have your, your response to what um, uh, what the panel have said there. Andy, I'm going to come to you because I, I know you you do a fair bit of coaching and stuff. And you know, one of the one of the um, uh, points in the question was how does Klopp coach it to the next level? Um, do you do you have any um, uh, do you have an answer to that? Do you have a response to that? Is there anything that maybe Klopp could do, or do you agree with Tadeva that just you know it's just going to get better week in week out because we are seeing um, progression and we are seeing improvements. You know, the fact that we don't even have to get out of sometimes second gear and win games is, for me, is a positive because I've seen my team absolutely knackered, you know, for a point in the past. Yeah, I've t- <laughs> don't uh, don't hold your breath on me being able to tell Jürgen Klopp how he could coach. Um, it's, uh, it is a tough one. Look, today I, I was getting frustrated at some of the, some of the passing. And certainly uh, uh, Bobby today, I mean, mm-hmm. I love... You, you know, I, I love Bobby yeah, Firmino, but today, yeah, his his layoffs, you know, the little one-touch football, it just wasn't kind of, it, it, as though it's, I don't know, it just wasn't quite there. You know, the layoffs were a bit short, they were a bit slack, they were a bit, bit lackadaisical. And I'll be honest, I, I think quite a few of our games this season, I, I mean, it's fantastic that we're winning. You know, we've won every game. It, obviously, that is brilliant. But the underlying thing behind that, and what I'm sure Klopp will be well aware of, and they'll be working behind the scenes on, is that some of them perform. You know, sometimes the results have kind of masked some of the issues within the performances, and we're not. It's almost like we're not quite there. There's a couple of moments, even with like Bobby and Moore. You know, so how you saw last season how well those two linked up, 
and that understanding between the the two, or between the front three even. But it was almost like you know they were almost tripping over each other. It's I, I do wonder whether it's a case of it's just so early in the season. Obviously, there was the whole the whole emotional roller coaster ride of last season. Then there's been a World Cup. Then we've just got going, and I just wonder whether or not it's a case of it's still quite early. We haven't quite sort of clicked into gear yet. And once we're once we're truly up and running, I think that's where some of the you know the kind of the second nature of movements and off the ball will really sort of come into its own. Especially with with Firmino, he's such a, an aggressive player on and off the ball. I mean, there was a couple of moments mm-hmm. today. You know, he he risked the, he at one point he risked the possibility of even giving away a penalty. You know, the way he. he he tries to retrieve the ball because what we saw in the shape in the first half was he was playing on the left. We were almost like in a four-two-three-one, and he was playing in the left rather than rather than in the middle. And maybe that was to allow Shakiri the freedom, you know, to to get him on the ball and do what he does and not have to worry about the de- the defensive side of you know the tactical defensive side of things. So he was getting back and kind of putting in them tackles where it doesn't matter if you you concede them fouls further up the pitch, but in the defensive areas. That's a concern. So it's it, it's almost like he's not quite firing on all cylinders, and at times some of our play is a little bit slack, and it isn't quite there. And it's again, it's it's almost like that understanding. So we've got the aggressiveness. We know that we know that we've got the quality there. We saw last season with so many of our players that they do have the understanding once it's all clicking into gear. I mean, second half of the season, how many times we the front three were interchanging with each other and layoffs without even having to look up to know where the others were making the run. So we do know that the underlying uh, understanding is there between the players. Obviously, we're bringing new players into the mix with this, the Shakiri and Nabi Keda running into these areas. That's new players that got to understand it as well. But yeah, in terms of the passing, it's it's just, I don't know, it's almost like we're saving our energy you know we're almost conserving ourselves a little bit because when you think towards the end of that end of that season you know the amount of injuries we had and we ran ourselves into the ground so I I don't know whether there's a almost like a subconscious thing here where we're not going full at it quite like we would have done previously you know all guns blazing, hell for leather, hell for, hell for leather, if I can even say that, you know, for 90 minutes, every single game, it's almost like we're conserving energy. And sometimes when you do kind of drop drop off that touch, that little, that kind of concentration levels maybe go with it as well. And and as, as was mentioned, you know, in the Premier League, you, there are players, every team has one or two players at least who could punish you, who could hurt you. So, I'd, I'm I'm hoping it's nothing, and it's not a trend that we're going to continue to see, and that it's just early season. And as we as we kind of really sort of get going, and we get get into them fifteen twenty games, once we're getting into sort of late autumn time, that's when we really see ourselves clicking into full gear. That's when we'll see that understanding, and that's where we'll see the passes a bit more on tune and a bit more to them rather than some of these daisy cutters that I'm sure they'll be getting pulled up for in training because as we work with kids, it's the same thing. You're coaching kids. 
you know, you, you've you've got to make sure the pass has got to be a pass. You can't overhit it and put it out, out the pitch, but you can't dolly-daisy it along the ground. People are going to intercept it and read it. It's got to be firm. It's got to be to the man, and you've got to come and meet it. So, And it's them same principles will be applied. So I'm sure they'll be getting it, and it's for me, maybe it's just a little bit of getting ourselves into our rhythm for the season and that little bit of concentration level that will come with it. Absolutely. I mean... Well, Andy, all I'm going to say is if you saw me kick a ball, it's comparable to flipping Mr. Burns from The Simpsons. Literally, you'd, you'd be so frustrated with me. I mean, I think you're right. We're winning. And I think that's the most important thing. And I think as the season progresses, I think we get better just as the performances get better and the players start peaking. I'm going to go back to um, Henry now. Henry, you've heard what the panel have said. I want to get your thoughts uh, and your response to, uh, you know, the, the guys' answers. Yeah, I, with the with this uh, with the with regards to the say Alex Ferguson, but I completely agree. He was there for like two decades, right? Which is we ac- we accept that point. Brother, I'm happy. I'm happy. I'm the only Liverpool fans fan around uh, around my fans around my friends. But what I've noticed and what friends always keep on telling is that Liverpool is great against the big teams. As the famous someone Burnish would say, beat the draws in the league. So, mm. we, so we can beat Tottenham, we can beat Man United, we can beat Man. Come Watford, we draw or we lose. So it's the high of beating Man U this weekend and the law of losing to Watford or whatever. That's what we are used to as Liverpool fans. In my case, that's what I'm used to. So now I'm seeing a team that's able to win. It's winning now and I'm very happy. I'm completely happy. 100%. This is the best time being a Liverpool supporter. But now I want Klopp to unlock, as I said, the second phase of us maintaining that. Winning the defense is proper. Like Joe Gomez is the world star. I was, I, I wanted us to buy Jose Maria Jimenez from Atletico Madrid. Mm. But yeah, we don't need him. Joe Gomez is there. If you can develop that player, his, he and, him and Van Dyke are going to be absolutely terrific. So I'm happy on that part. I'm happy with Liverpool. Like today, I'm, I was happy with, um, Mo Salah, he was getting into good position. You can see after smiling, after missing, he was smiling. To mean that he's in a good mood. What the press is saying, that Mo Salah throwing a bottle, that's completely out there. So with the team, I'm happy with the team. But I want us to be more efficient, like in position. Like I'm out today, I was really pissed with the position. Like, so I've never seen, Jorgen Kopp has been here for three years. I think if they do an under, under, um, under under pressure podcast. This is the most time we've we've lost possession of head money in one game. We've never done this before. And mm. Klopp needs to nip it in the bud before it goes any further. Win the game, keep it simple, don't do flicks, game management. That's where we need to go now. Game management. Not do sloppy passes, keep possession frustrated, get silly free kicks. The dark arts. We need to learn the dark arts. That's where I am now. We need to learn the dark arts of football. I'm sure we will. I mean, you brought up a really another interesting point there, and I'm going to bring it up with my panel. Um, uh, so great going, uh, Henry. Um, and more food for thought. Guys, I want to get your thoughts on Gomez, because a lot of people, are, you know, like, and I said it as well, he's looked really good with Virgil van Dijk. But today he was, of course, replacing Virgil van Dijk with obviously a new partnership in, in this season with him and Joel Matip. I want to get your thoughts on Joe Gomez. Do we need a new centre-back, or is he the one that we kind of stick with? Um, I will come to Andy first on this one. As we stand, he looks like he's the future. He's he's uh-huh. the one we stick with. Obviously, it's very very early, but the early signs are very very promising. I mean, what what we've seen a lot of today is where 
like a, a midfielder or a fullback might, you know, when when uh, like Southampton obviously got isolated forwards when they're knocking the ball forward, there's a midfielder or a fullback maybe looking in front of that player to try and intercept, intercept if they can, but the centre backs are right there behind to clean up if if the ball goes through. And he's so quick. He was he was cleaning up a few. There's a few times where he did that clean up, and he's doing it so well. So it's mm. he's he's he just looks a natural. You know, he know, he's getting in the in the right positions. He's good on the ball. He's incredibly fast. He's strong. He's getting better reading the ball in the air. It, he's he looks right now like he is the future. That it's him and mm. Virgil going forward, and and hopefully this is just the start of it. Absolutely. And I'm going to go to Tadeva now. Your thoughts on uh, Joe Gomez? I think he's been a revelation this uh, this season so far. I think we were very fortunate in that I, I thought centre-back was a position that we definitely should have addressed. And, mm. you know, you're not expecting Joe Gomez to put in the performances that he has been putting in this season. So it, it's been really good to see Um we might have to look at that position later on. I'm sure Matip and Lovren might not be happy being second choice, but as it's going now, it's a perfect blend. Lovren is the type of defender who you want as your backup. He's very solid. You can bring him in. Obviously, you know, his past will always haunt him, but you could see the improvements last season. If you look at Matip, you know what you're going to get from Matip. He's a ball playing center back, um, chips in with the goal today, but he, he's, He's very comfortable coming into a team. He doesn't seem like he needs a lot of time to bed into the starting 11, you know, those players that might have a little bit of rust. Um, but I think in terms of Joe Gomez, we've got an England prospect there. We've got a player who I'm pretty sure Brendan Rodgers will take credit for him coming in at some point this season. But we've got a player who's coming from Charlton, very highly rated. He's, he, You know, he, he played right back. And I wonder if him playing right back could have been, you know, the best thing for him because he knows exactly what is expected of Trent Alexander-Arnold or Klein when he comes in. So as, as the centre-back on that side, he knows where those guys are going to be on the pitch at certain points in, in the game so he can cover those positions. So I, I think that's been a vital learning experience for him. With you know, with the disappointments of him not starting today, I think we do have to take into consideration he did come back from a very, very lengthy injury last season. I'm pretty sure it was just a matter of fact that we've only got three fit centre-backs at the moment. We can't count Lovren, who's just come back into training this week because he still needs to go through that pre-season process. But um, it's just a matter of trying to get the minutes right from Jurgen Klopp. We saw Van Dijk, there have been rumours that um, it might be an injury for Van, Van Dijk. I don't know how serious it is. But it's a matter of between those three, how many minutes can you give to each one and not risking them? And then with Gomez having had the, the most recent long-term injury of the three, um, I, I think it's fair to, to give him a break Give and um, give Matip a game where he's not necessarily going to be expected to do too much, except just pass the ball, get his eye in. So I, I, I think that's it, it. Was a decent call, you know, maybe not for fantasy players who had Gomez in, but for Liverpool fans, I think it's a decent call heading into the busy schedule. Absolutely, and I can confirm that. Um, Klopp in his uh, post-match presser has um, said that it's a bruised rib, and he should be okay for um, next week. So there's. A sigh of relief from all Liverpool sports, but you already knew that if you're listening to this show, because obviously we're recording straight after the game. 
Henry, thank you so much for your questions. Really appreciate them. Thank you very much. And hope to be back soon. Absolutely. We'd love to have you back on. Enjoy your weekend. Same to you. Okay, so that was our first time caller, Henry, from South Africa. Some excellent discussion points there. We're going to move on to our third and final caller. I'm going to call him a familiar voice because he called in into my last um, NKS show. It is Magna. Magna is an AI Pro subscriber. Welcome to the show, Magna. Thank you. Thank you for having me back. Well, you know what? I'm like Jürgen Klopp. If you're good, you get rewarded. <laughs> <laughs> good to know. <laughs> I'm sure you absolutely enjoyed that result, of course. Um, I w Of course, as usual, you'll have an awesome question or a discussion point. So I'm going to give the floor to you. Yeah, thank you. So um, I was thinking that this game, we would continue with our strongest lineup and the rotation would be more in the, in the League Cup. But it seems uh, that... Uh, Klopp decided to bring in some some more squad players with you know Shakiri coming in and doing well and Matip coming in and doing a job even looping a header in. Uh, so what I wanted to ask is, do you think that now we have the squad depth and the the depth of players and of even different systems to be able to fully compete in all the different competitions, or do you think? We're still one big injury away from falling off a cliff. Ooh. As long as it's not Alison. <laughs> Andy, I'm, I'm going to come to you. Um, I want to get your thoughts. Do, do you think there is squad depth? Because one thing that I kind of really liked um, was the fact that, you know, he could tinker with the formation a little. And the players that he brought in today really kind of, to some degree, um, you know, responded you know Shakiri, as you said um was involved in all the goals Matip part of a clean sheet more importantly scored a goal I love that I think it's really promising I think we were all really really scared when Shakiri came off at half time we thought he might have sustained an injury but it it well the commentary on my stream said he's not got an injury and it's more to do with the fact to rest him which alludes to the fact that I think he plays um, against Chelsea um, uh, on you know on Wednesday, I want to get your thoughts. Do we have enough to compete? Because right now it's the the schedule isn't as loaded. No, it's not, and, and it makes perfect sense to to start a bit of rotation before before then. You know, and it makes sure everybody's sharp. You, you don't <clears throat> you don't want to be in a position that we wait until December or January before we start switching out the team and moving them around because we'll have so many minutes under the belts of a concentrated number of players and other players who aren't necessarily right up to uh, full match fitness yeah. and sharpness. So it it makes perfect sense to to move them around to keep everybody as fresh as possible as and where you can. I mean, it, it, I mean that thing that you'd say to any you know substitute or someone coming into the team is is make a difference. Uh, and today, I think the players that came in did make a difference. They did well. They performed. Shakiri was excellent. Uh, on the actual rotation things itself, I mean, as it was mentioned at the moment, we've got three fit centre backs. So it made for me, it made absolutely perfect sense that the ideally today would have been uh, Van Dijk and Matip. So Gomez gets his rest. He goes a week without playing. You know, he gets seven. That he he gets a week in between game time comes back in the Chelsea game midweek and then we'll play again next weekend. Then midweek, 
Van Dijk would get his rest and then he'd be back for the Premier League game. Uh, Matip playing in both the games. And therefore, with Gomez and Van Dijk at the moment, the first choice centre-back pairing, they've mm-hmm. both been able to get like a break of seven days between matches. And you also, within within that as well, Van Dijk is the senior centre-back at the club without a shadow of a doubt. We're prioritising the Premier League just purely by him playing in the Premier League game. So, in, in for me, that made, that made total sense where we would get a little bit of rotation today as well as on Wednesday night against Chelsea. Also in the, the midfield, I think what was clear for me, probably 70 minutes in against PSG, our midfield, particularly Milner and Henderson, yes. I, I thought they looked knackered. They looked, mm-hmm. they really looked pretty much shattered by the end of it. And and Milner has every right to be knackered, not just that he's gone past 30 and he's putting all these performances in, but the guy has won so much in every game this season. He's been outstanding. So I, I think it made perfect sense for him to be rotated out. I thought Henderson himself looked really tired towards the end of that game, but maybe a few days off, he feels fresh enough. So, that you know, it wasn't like a load of changes that it upsets the rhythm of the team, but two, three changes here and there. Yeah, we do have a better squad. And that, this is the thing as well. We, we are in a better position in terms of squad depth. Once Lovren's back fit, yeah, we've got four centre-backs. Or you could argue we've got three centre-backs to challenge for a place alongside Van Dijk. You know, we've got an excellent goalkeeper. The worry, like you mentioned, is the drop-off behind. But, you you know, you could you, you could go into dreamland, you know, and build your FIFA squad. But the reality is you can't have, you know, 22, 23 world-class players and keep them all happy. That's just not the way it's going to be. You've got to have a core of maybe 17, 18 players at best who are all first-team quality, and you can move them around and get lots of game time. And you've got other players to get maybe come in who will be satisfied with being a squad player or young players looking to just be involved where they can. So it's it's a really difficult balance, and I think we are in a better position, but I think we're still probably a couple of players away from feeling more comfortable should we get you know two, three, maybe even four injuries and be able to go through and... I think the real test, obviously, is going to come sort of turn of the year. December's going to be a mad month. You get into January, then you you hopefully will be looking at knockout rounds of the Champions League as well as the running for the Premier League and maybe in an FA Cup run as well and all this. And that's where that's really where we're going to see just how good our squad is. But looking at what we were aiming for in the summer in terms of like a Nabil Fakir, we're probably still short in that, and hopefully Daniel Sturridge mm-hmm. and uh, and others can can step up if anything happens to uh, Bobby Firmino. But I, I think we're in a better position, but perhaps still not quite exactly where we'd like to be. Fair comments. I'm going to come to you, Tadeva. Um, I want to get your thoughts. I mean, I I just have like images of of the Champions League final that you know we were playing so well Agna raises a really really good question because we I think controlled that then that unfortunate injury to uh, Mohamed Salah and you know uh, the the player that comes on is say you know is is an Adam Lallana to replace Amor Salah and I just felt like didn't look quite the same you know completely different players there was a massive drop off in quality I want to get your thoughts I mean I like looking at our bench and seeing that strength but I think it's a tricky question to answer because, yeah, if you have one injury here and there, you can handle it. But as a Liverpool supporter, and I'm sure, I don't know if you'll agree with me, but I feel like when we get injuries, they, they come in shed loads. 
It's like we yeah, binge they, on them. Do, do you know what I mean? Like they all come together. They, they, they definitely seem to, to bunch up whenever we do get the mm. injuries, unfortunately. But I do think um, the, the most important thing for me, maybe not necessarily squad depth, but just the fact that all of the squad has bought into this season. Mm. You know, last season we had Daniel Sturridge. But the Daniel Sturridge we, uh, we had last season is not the Daniel Sturridge we had this season. The Daniel Sturridge we had last season still thought he was 13-14 Daniel Sturridge. And, you know, um, I'm not going to go into the mental side of the game, but fair play to him to still think that. But I think this season he's more realistic in terms of not necessarily that he's gotten that. I think that, the loan helped him as well, didn't it? The loan yes, away, it, yeah. It's a, it's a shock when you, when mm. you, you know, when you leave Liverpool, um, not even just the playing time, but the facilities that we have at Liverpool, the yeah. environment that we have at Liverpool, the coaching we get at Liverpool. Um, I think that was a big, big wake up call for him and probably a blessing in disguise for us as Liverpool fans. But now we've got a Daniel Sturridge that understands, okay, I'm not necessarily the starter, but I've got a role to play and I can still be Daniel Sturridge just not necessarily 13, 14 Daniel Sturridge. And that's so vital for a team like Liverpool and for a team um, under Jurgen Klopp because we saw last season, we saw the season before, we've had players before, we've had the likes of Woodburn on the bench where Klopp literally said, I looked at the bench and I didn't think it was fair to bring that player on when we could all see that a substitution was needed. But Klopp didn't see you know, the players on the bench necessarily as players that he could bring on. So I think there's a difference between squad depth and actually having squad depth, which the manager trusts. And this is what we seem to have this season. At any point in the season, you can see a Shakiri coming onto the pitch without any, you know, hesitation. You can see a Sturridge coming onto the pitch. At some point in time, you're going to be able to see a Fabinho coming on. I mean, Fabinho is a quality player who, you know, we've, we're unbeaten this, this this season and we haven't even thought about him being a factor in this team. But um, I think it was the face of podcast. I mentioned that I didn't expect Fabinho to come in until about like January where, you know, it's a very different system to what he's used to. But that's a player that you can bring onto the team. And once Klopp trusts him to be able to come into play, that's another factor that you have to, to, to bring in. So I do think Klopp ideally wanted that attacking midfield as the final piece in the jigsaw. But um, in terms of what he's got so far this season, I think the rotation is fine. Um, obviously, questions will come if maybe one of the, the the bigger players does get a long-term injury. We've seen at, at Man City with the De Bruyne injury, you know, Man City have arguably the best squad in terms of covering those type of injuries. Mm. Would Liverpool be able to cover that? That That's something that we'd have to wait and see. But in terms of at the moment where everyone's fit and you've got a strong bench, I think the, the balance of the squad is really, really good at the moment. Even the likes of, you know, like a Moreno, who we know what he did at the beginning of last season. So if he was asked to come back in, he can do a job. But not just necessarily that he's doing a job as a backup, but Moreno is very important in terms of what he's doing off the pitch. He keeps the likes of, you know, Firmino very, very happy. And I don't think that should be something that should be understated. Absolutely. I think there's roles on and off the pitch. I think Lucas, um, Lucas Lever was kind of vital to, you know, the harmony of like off the pitch stuff. Um, so yeah, you definitely have roles. Magna, I'm going to come to you. You've heard what the lads have said. Um, it's really hard to kind of predict injuries. I mean, if there's just one, you can deal with it. But, you know, heaven forbid there's like, 
God, I'm touching wood, literally. And like, you know, we have an injury in, in, in all together in, in Sadio Mane, Roberto Firmino and, uh, Marcella, you know, then you are up Shit's Creek because you are. It's, it's as simple as that. But if there's one, I feel like you can handle it because I feel like there is quality on the bench and players. If they fit, I think we can fill that void. Want to get your thoughts on what the lads have said about this, the squad depth? Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. And, and like you said, you would be in big trouble if all of those get injured. But uh, it seems from from what Cyberhunters have been saying on Fatigue Index and stuff like that too, it's we're recruiting players that are a little more durable than ones mm. we've had in the past. So hopefully we won't see these big injury crises anymore. But I think it's it's also with squad depth. It's not only that you're able that you have quality players for a like for like replacement, but you also have the ability to switch the system around. Like today, when you could have Shakiri and Firmino playing in, in off each other in sort of both creative roles where playing a team that set back uh, in previous seasons might have been tough or at least after Coutinho left might have been tough because we don't because we haven't had those creative options while now we can sort of sacrifice a little bit of that midfield battle to bring in on someone more creative like Shakiri so you have Options not only in in like for like players, but in in how to set up the team and how to how to attack the the opposition teams. Absolutely, no excellent points there, Magna. Thank you so much for calling. Yeah, thank you for having me. Always a pleasure. No doubt we'll hear from you soon. All right, let's hope so. <laughs> you take care and have a good weekend. Thank you. You too. So that was Magna, our final caller on this Nina Kauser Show call-in segment. Now it's just myself, Andy, and Tadeva, and we're just going to tie up loose ends. I think pretty much everything's been discussed, but Magna's question got me thinking, Tadeva, and I'm going to come to you first because I felt like the first half and the second half were so contrasting. It was almost like Beauty and the Beast. You know, we were a bit more attacking. We were more creative. Uh, Shakiri just really kind of proved why he should be considered. You know, he really, really took his opportunity and I thought Milner really, really deserved his rest. But then in the second half, there's that switch. Milner comes on and literally not only we talk about squad depth, but we're talking about players that can do different things because as soon as Milner comes on, I feel like the game shuts down. Not only on our part, we lose our creativity edge, our creative edge to some degree, but we also kind of shut out Southampton. And I think that is quite a, a happy place to be. I know it might not be visually appealing on the eye, but as a manager to have those kind of players to be able to shut out game, I think that's quite important and quite useful for Jurgen Klopp. Yeah, I think I definitely have to agree. And as we've mentioned a few times, we have to take this in the context of the game against PSG over the weekend and, I mean, during the week and also the fact of the schedule that we have coming up. I, I don't think it, it it would be fair to expect the squad, you know, heading in. I think it was was a two 0 or three 0 at half time. Um, but heading into half time, you're leading comfortably to now go on and you know be at hundred percent full pl- full pelt um, 
trying to get the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh goal. Um, I think that there's certain situations in a season where, yes, you've got maybe one game during the week, so you can go for those big score lines. But in a game like this where we're looking very comfortable, um, it seems like we've got the win. You can just shut, shut up shop. Just bring in Molnar, just that, you know, experience that he brings into a game like this. And I think Molnar is one of those players that is the voice of Klopp on the pitch because if you listen to his interviews, uh, he speaks a lot of, you know, sense in terms of football IQ, in terms of how we should hold possession, when we should be holding possession and, you know, the type of things we should be doing on the pitch. And when you're leading a game like that, I, I did, I did, I was okay with it. Um, Maybe it's not as exciting as people would want, but at such an early stage in the season, I think a bit of control um, actually shows a lot more about who we are as Liverpool opposed mm. to just trying to go and, you know, score, you know, bundle loads of goals and then go and concede um, a goal and, and lose that clean sheet. But the control we showed in terms of, okay, it's a different style of play in this half. If Southampton want to come and get a goal, they better come. Because, you know, we, we're not going to give them free goals. And then in terms of, obviously, the first half versus the second half um, with the Shakiri on the pitch opposed to a, a Milner, I think you, you expect that. Um, Milner was coming on with specific instructions of we're not conceding. And I think that that was an exercise that the, the players had in that second half that, okay, we're coming in, we're not conceding. Let's see how well we can do in shutting down this team at and not giving them any hope in terms of, you know, a fluke goal or, you know, just a, a silly mistake, which we have been prone to. So, you know, I, I could even argue that it, it's a practice for the team where Klopp has specifically said, let's see how much we have improved in terms of shutting up shop. Yeah, absolutely. And um, just to sort of um, uh, clarify that the three goals were in the first half. The last free kick was literally an injury time. Um, I normally am a scatterbrain for these kind of things post-match, but I drink Ribena now. Oh, thanks to James Milner. So I, I remember these little nuggets of information. I'm becoming a pro when it comes to podcasting and remembering times. Uh, Andy, I'm going to come to you. I want to get your thoughts on, you know, just the fact that Klopp does have in, in, in his sort of, um, in his substitutes, the ability to kind of change up the formation system. I mean, this is a guy in James Milner who shut up shop and he signed a player in, you know, Fabinho, who he's not even really needed yet. And he will use him at the right time. But, you know, this is the luxury that he has right now. Yeah, that's exactly what it is at the moment. It, it's a nice luxury that mm. Fabinho has been able to to be afforded the time to work on exactly what would be required of him in you know in the Premier League in the position that he plays, also Naby Keita as well. He's been now afforded the ability mm. to sort of step out the team, come on as a substitute. Mm. Yeah, and you know, also not... Andy, it's also worth noting Jurgen Klopp did all his substitutes, made all his substitutes at seventy minutes. Yeah, Something that from... he was criticised for last season. Yeah, apart from the Milner one, obviously at half time. Yeah, it's the thing is that what I'd say is look. At 2-0, I thought, that's it, we've won the game. Um, maybe that's a sign that I'm going, growing more confident mm. in our ability to, to keep teams out. But I, I felt in what Southampton are, what the, the threat that they offered, maybe they could get a goal, but I didn't really see them getting two goals and I certainly didn't see them getting three goals. At 2-0, I thought, yep, we've got this, we've got this game won. We're going to win here. 3-0, that's it. It's a formality in all 
a sense of purposes, it was a formality. So it absolutely made sense to to make the change. Yet, you know, Shakiri had done what he needed to do. He came, he, he came into the team. You know, he was a real attacking threat. You know, re- involved in every every good bit of play mm. going forward. We scored the goals. Game was sorted by half time. Yeah, second half. Let's see it out because what what was uh, you know what is something that we do have to consider as mentioned yeah in the context of we've just had PSG game we've also got Chelsea in the cup midweek we've then got Chelsea at the weekend in the league uh, in the league sorry the weekend after but then after that in the midweek we've got Napoli and then the game after that at that weekend is a Man City game in the league just before the international break so back to back to back. You know, we're in close proximity, we've got a lot of games coming up, really, really important games against big opposition. So it made absolutely no sense to to run ourselves ragged for the second half just to find an extra couple of goals. It, it you know, it, it's and it's a, for me, it's a sign of maturity in the team that we are moving to this point where we know, right, this game is done. We've got three points. Let's play it smart. Let's try and manage the game better because I think our game management is still it can still improve but it, it has improved from where it was and we are seeing games out much better we're much better organized and Van Dijk has obviously been a key part of that but mm. also you know as the under pressure guys will tell you you know we don't give up a lot of chances we you know we don't really give opposition teams that much you know to go with so we, you know, we we need we're going to need our legs over the next few weeks, so it made sense to see it through. And I would also on on the subject of under pressure, I would be interested to see what our XG was like for the first ten minutes of the game because it really felt like we were going for them and we were creating chances. I mean, maybe people weren't quite getting on the end of them. That might just affect the XG models, but we were we were going really looking to to smother them, to get at them, to suffocate them, to you know, they couldn't breathe and we were all over it and we were creating opportunities until we got that goal in the 10th minute and then that mm. was it. From there on, we got the goal, that was it. That's Southampton's game plan out of the way. Our shape as well, you know, with, like you said, you know, being able to move things around and play differently. Salah playing centrally up top, that was a different proposition probably to what Southampton had planned for. And this is it, yeah, with the squad, we can do different things and it's... We we can offer up different different uh, you know different headaches for oppositions to uh, managers to have to worry about. So it, mm. it's good. Our team is maturing, and I think Klopp is maturing and, uh, as we're going along as well. You know, it's not just the same tactics, the same formation, the t- the same kind of team over and over and over again. We are seeing little subtle changes here and there. So it's it, it for me. We obviously there are you know facets of the game uh, and throughout this game and through the season that we can improve but on the whole it just looks so positive and that we are definitely moving in the right direction yeah <clears throat> i can confirm the xg was 180 i'm just kidding um guys are just making, <laughs> just making up a random number <laughs> the highbrow show on anfield index people i just make up random numbers i always tell gags to make up the you know the pressing stats but he likes to sit there and collect them you know more fool him i say um apparently the xg wasn't high it shot up after salah's goal apparently and speaking of more salah a player that actually didn't take it the foot off the gas even in the second half of course he scored 
scored an offside goal. Andy, I'm going to stick with you. How great was it to see him just playing well? I, you know, goal aside, I thought he just played really well. He looked really up for it, really alert. People think Moore's back, but did he really leave? I mean, I'm just happy that the guy scored. Yeah, I, I, it was nice to see that smile on his face. I think mm. I, I think maybe there's there's a little bit of, you know, he's putting that pressure on himself to almost try and rip, uh, replicate the kind mm. of numbers he was hitting last season. I mean, I, I personally, I, I don't, I wouldn't expect him to, to do that again. That was just ridiculous, the, the amount of goals he got last year. And there was just that run, wasn't he? He was just getting goal after goal. And, and that's without sort of running down thinking, oh, suddenly he'll be, you know, he'll only get 10 goals and maybe 10 assists if he's lucky. It's not, it's not that. It's just, you know, to get over 40 goals and to get somewhere, somewhere like nearly 20 assists, it, it is a ridiculous season. It is elite level. And and I think it, he's facing a different prospect that teams are preparing specifically for him. So I think he looked happier, just almost that freedom, being involved differently, being centrally, being on that last man. Uh, and, and I just think that that smile on his face as he tapped the ball over the line, that was almost like a sense of relief. Like, you know, there's another one. Sometimes I think maybe he's trying a little bit too hard and maybe that's affecting his judgment slightly when he's in certain positions where he'll look to shoot where, the, where maybe last season he was quite calm and, and comfortable in setting somebody else up because he was getting the goals himself anyway. So I think the only thing that wasn't quite there for him today that we saw last year so much was the dribbling. I don't know what his numbers will be like, but he doesn't seem quite as effective yet in the dribbling. But again... I, I've got absolutely no worries whatsoever with Salah. I, I think he's still so effective, even when he's not, you know, on on the kind of form that we saw towards the end of, of last season. He's so effective. He's such an important part of the team. And, you know, he bothers the opposition. Even if he's not involved in the play all that much, they've got to think about him because his movement off the ball, his sense of, you know, the positions to get into, his raw pace. You've got to think about him and you've got to prepare for him, even if he's not involved. So uh, he's such an asset, whether he's banging goals in or he's not. And But it was it was really nice to see that uh, smile on his face. Absolutely. And Tadeva, I'll let you have your word on, uh, on Mo Salah and, of course, him scoring and, uh, you know, the pressure, like Andy said, does he put it on himself? Because there's a lot of murmurs on social media as well <clears throat> that I feel need addressing that, oh, rest him, he's not good, he's not been playing well, etc., etc. So, fire away. I think the important thing and the encouraging thing is he's still doing everything that he was doing last season in the build-up. Maybe his conversion rate is the thing that's the issue at the moment. He's not putting the ball in the net as um, you know clinically or as often as people are used to from last season. But in terms of his builder play, his link-up play, he's still doing the right things for me. Um, he's getting in dangerous positions. And, and as has been mentioned, he's still getting in those positions after a season where now people are expecting to double mark him and pay more attention to him. So that's an encouraging thing. I think the goals will come. I, I don't think it's a big worry um, for, for Liverpool fans. In terms of on and off the pitch, I think we also have to take into consideration what's happening um, with him and the Egypt FA. Uh, I, I've followed it tentatively, but I've, I haven't really followed it too directly. I'm, I'm, I know there are a few podcasts that have addressed the issue quite in quite good detail, so people should look out for those. But um, I, I think those type of things play a factor. 
people question the fact that Lovren hasn't been training. Does that play a factor? You never know with these type of players. But the important thing is Mo Salah clearly sees himself as an elite player. He clearly sees himself as a player that should be looking to challenge maybe, you know, the, you know, maybe personally he sees himself challenging the Messi's and the Ronaldo's. But um, in terms of from just my perspective, I think he's well within to challenge in that bracket just below those guys where, you know, we have a few players that um, are, are hovering in and around Ronaldo and Messi in terms of their, the numbers they, they produce on the pitch. Obviously, Premier League is a different kettle of fish. But I think, I, I don't think we should be worried about him. I don't think it's much of a concern. I think it's actually helped the squad. Um, if I can compare it to, as, was, as I, I think I mentioned earlier in the podcast with regards to the expectations on Jurgen Klopp, I genuinely don't think the expect, expectations on Salah are as big as the expectations that the rest of the league are putting on him. You know, for, for Liverpool, I think uh, um, Jurgen Klopp and the team are just happy as long as he's part of that front mm. three and doing his, his role and doing his job. Whether he scores or Firmino scores or Mane scores, I, I really don't think they, they care too much as mm. long as they're fulfilling their roles. Whereas if you look at the Premier League, it's more exciting if it's, you know, they're fixated on the Kane versus Salah battle or, or any other battle they might want well, to Sanchez, win. Sanchez hasn't scored in like three years. I'm sorry, uh, I'm, can, we put the, <laughs> can we put the spotlight on him? Yeah, exactly. So there are definitely um, certain players that they prefer to highlight. Mm-hmm. Um, Sanchez has gone under the radar for, for months or years, as, <laughs> as you have mentioned. But I think for Salah, on a personal level, I know he will have goals and he will be chomping at the, be- uh, um, chomping at the bit to try and beat his record from last season. But it was a record for a reason. And the Premier League has been the Premier League for so long. I think, what, 26 years or so. Now the Premier League has been there and he only broke that record last season. So there's a reason that record has been there for individual goals. It's, it's, it's not a small feat to accomplish. But the, mm. um, the encouraging thing for Liverpool fans is he's still doing the role that he needs to be doing as part of that front three. And it's giving the space to the Mane's. Look at Mane's goal tally so far. It's giving the space to the Firmino's and long may it continue. I, I don't think any of us would lose sleep if uh, Salah's not the one putting it in the net, but it's Mane. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. I love the fact that, you know, we have so many great options up front. We're not reliant on one man. We're not a one-man team. The fact that apparently he's been poor and off the pace and I'm doing my air quote thing and the fact that we're still winning we've got six out of six seven in all and this isn't even a topic of discussion in my opinion his poor game against Paris Saint-Germain I say poor game again he was pressing like an absolute maniac aside from that you know that ropey pass that led to the goal didn't really put a foot wrong in my opinion I just think it's all kind of um it gets blown out of proportion in my humble opinion we're going to move on now to the man of the match so I'm going to kick things off my man of the match is Alison, <laughs> purely because he could have had a money and a petty and no one would have even known that he was he wasn't there. I'm actually taking the mick. I mean, it's got to be for me, Shakiri. I'll come to Andy next. Andy, who's your man of the match? I've got to say, I, I did see Alison kick the ball once. <laughs> uh, well, I'm just thinking if there was a second occasion where he might have touched the ball. He had uh, to make a save in the second, I believe. Was that really? it? 
no, I, I, I barely remember him actually. We, yeah, we almost could have played without a goalkeeper, so which is which not is a good bad. thing. Yeah, I was just going to yeah, say. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> we almost could have got away with playing Minulain goal. I shouldn't say that. <laughs> uh, and look, positivity. Yeah, it's it's got to be Shakiri for me. I, I know he's on the pitch forty-five minutes. But, but that's where the damage was. Different, yeah. Mm-hmm. The damage was done first half. Second half was just about seeing it out, um, and again, but being you know, being a bit better organised and more in control of the game. And yeah, he he done what he needed to do. He was the most decisive player on the pitch for us, and, and in terms of the results. So yeah, Shakiri for me. Agreed. And what about you, Tadiva? Yeah, I think it's going to be a clean sweep for Shakiri, but. Just to, to touch on the, the Ellison conversation, I do think we, we, we are in danger of taking for granted how important having an Ellison in the team is. Um, yes, he didn't have much to do, but the, the stuff that he had to do, there was a few times, um, I remember a part in the game where Van Dyke played a ball to him on his weak foot, uh, on his weak foot, and he still managed to, to, to get the ball to Robertson. I thought he was clearing it you know, out uh, to Rose Z, just getting off the pitch. But he still managed to get that to Robertson and that helped us, you know, um, get get out of a, a dangerous situation, can we call We'll call it a dangerous situation. because It was in the really first half, this, wasn't it? This was in the yes, first half. Yes, yes I yeah. do remember it. So I'm going to claim it as a dangerous just to, to pad their numbers a bit. But yeah. it's those little <laughs> things that we might not notice or we might not um, place that much value on, but a different keeper in that situation turns that into a completely different situation where another team could just sneak a goal. So uh, I do think, you know, credit to him and also credit to him for the attention of, you know, we've had keepers in the past where they've had nothing to do in games like this. And then the first shot that's on target is a goal. Whereas I think Ellison is the caliber of keeper where he's he, he can handle not doing anything for 90 minutes and then just be required to make one save and he makes that save, that's massive for a team like Liverpool, you know, a team that's going to have possession for that long. But moving on, sorry, <laughs> moving on to man of the match, I think Shakiri. look, I don't think you, you need to justify the fact of he's played this amount of minutes. If he's on the pitch and he's done the damage, I think he deserves it and as short an amount of time as he had played in terms of playing just one half, I think that half was decisive and that half allowed Klopp to make the substitutions to change the style of play, to see out a game. So credit to him. He seems like a player, which I think is important for us going forward in that he seems like a player that's not, um, he's not, I wanna, I, I wanna phrase this carefully. When I say he's not happy being on the bench, I don't mean he's going to cause a fuss and he's going to, you know, throw his toys out the pram. But I mean in the sense of he's confident enough in his ability that he can see himself being in that starting eleven, whether it's mm. at the front three or in the midfield. And I don't know how many times we've had those type of players on our bench. A lot of the players that we've had on the bench, they they know they're on the bench no matter what. They're quite happy to sit on it, and that's not a good sign. Yeah, it's not a good sign. So uh, the attitude is absolutely spot on. I remember his um, press conference or his interview when he joined Liverpool. He goes, "I'm here to challenge the." You know, you know, he didn't. And I I think an interview is a great indication of of a man and his mentality, and you know what he thinks he can bring. And he just had a lot of confidence. Like, I'm here to challenge. I want that. I don't want you know bums on seats. 
I want players that think, hey, I've got my chance, I'm going to take it. And he took it today. And to think people thought he was a gamble for that price. Come on. Yeah, and, and I mean, for that price, I think it's a no-brainer. If, if, you know, we've seen the signs from him now, but if at the end of the season he doesn't maybe hit the heights that we're expecting, you could still probably sell him for a profit. So <laughs> I, I, I don't think, you know, it's that big, you know, that big a, a gamble. But also the fact that, the fact that you have a player like Shakiri on the bench challenging anyone in that front, I'm pretty sure he would play right back if, if Klopp asked him to play right back. That's the type of player he seems to be at the moment. And if you have a player like that on the bench, then it means that the starting 11 can't be comfortable. You know, they're not guaranteed a starting spot. They know if I don't turn up in training this week, Shakiri could take my spot. And if he gives the type of performances like he gave today, it was just a further reminder for everyone that's starting that um, those games that yeah mm. I dare you I dare you I dare you to not have a good game because I'm going to take your spot. Absolutely. So there you go. Jordan Shakiri is our man of the match. A massive thank you to my callers. Excellent discussion points. A massive thank you to Andrew and Diva. But before I let them go, have you got anything to plug? Andy, I'll come to you first. Yeah, we'll have the the new uh, res review coming up uh, in. Oh, where are we? We're about uh, about a week's time, and there'll also be the Champions League, Champions League preview pod coming up before the Napoli game. So uh, please do look out for that. They're absolutely excellent. I urge all listeners to go and check them out, and also follow Andy on Twitter as well. His um, Twitter handle will be in 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 the tweets. And what about yourself, Tadiva? Uh, the only thing I was involved in this past week was the fantasy podcast. And obviously, Fantasy League has started for this weekend. So I, I don't know if anyone wants some <laughs> to, to go and listen to that. But in terms of AI, I think the, the part I really enjoyed was Kevin, Dave Hendricks, just breaking down all of the transfers for all of the Premier League teams they did on the EPL roundtable, I think is, is the first part of it, which is um, going between... I think A for Arsenal, I think is the first team until Leicester. Um, just breaking down how their transfers are, grading what they did. Are they happy with um, what those teams did? And the second part is on uh, another podcast with Dave Hendricks. And that's, uh, I think, Liverpool up to whichever's the last team, maybe West Ham or Wolves or something. But it was really, really good. I, I had been waiting for that podcast from the, um, the end of the transfer window just to get their opinions. It's well worth it. It's really good opinions. It's it's you could argue there is a bit of bias there, but it's it's justified in in their reasoning, and I think it's pretty unbiased um, in terms of their assessment on each and every club. And it's good to hear a bit of background on some of the players that we might not necessarily know that are coming into the Premier League. Those guys certainly know who those guys are, so that was fun to listen to. Absolutely, yeah. Do check out another podcast with Dave Hendrick. That's the part two. I edited that one. I thought it was a great listen as well to Diva. For my part, please do check out Anfield Index Pro. There are so many awesome shows. I mean, the King and AI is a pod in itself. You know, the speaking about Liverpool and, of course, um, his playing days and his managerial time. So do check that out. For my part, I did a Euro Incision podcast, so that's on AI Pro as well. Check it out. Give me some feedback. But for me, one of my highlights for this week has to be Steve Gennaro channeling his inner Adam Sandler from The Wedding Singer and doing a Milner um, uh, 
rendition of um, I Just Called to Say I Love You. I mean, I'm sorry, I would book that guy for weddings, parties, bar mitzvahs. I don't know. Steve Gennaro is the man right now. So do check out AI Pro Quo. Hilarious. Um, thank you so much for listening again. I, I hope you're all optimistic and positive as we all are. It's a great time to be the Reds. I will catch you next week. Till next time, up the Reds. Podcast Network.